This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. The CRTC, Canada's broadcast regulator, has put out a call for all of Canada's major internet players to register with them for the first time. YouTube, Facebook, Netflix, Crave TV, Disney+, even most of the major podcast distributors. If you're on the internet and you make more than $10 million in revenues, you're henceforth under the CRTC's jurisdiction. That is, if you don't want millions in fines. Why? Because all of this, podcasts, videos, streaming music, online movies, even adult content, is now subject to Canadian content controls. Welcome to the Law Bites Podcast. Several weeks ago, the CRTC released the first set of what is likely to become at least a dozen decisions involving the Online Streaming Act, formerly known as Bill C-11. One of those decisions involved establishing which services will be required to register with the CRTC as part of new registration requirements found in the law. That sparked an immediate public debate over the scope of the registration requirements and their potential applicability to podcasts. I've seen considerable commentary on the issue, ranging from those claiming to the CRTC is going to regulate what Canadians say in podcasts or create a government podcast registry, to claims that podcasts just aren't covered at all. I'd like to use this episode of my podcast to set the record straight. If you're interested in the issue, I think you should stick around for the full analysis as I break things down. But the TLDR, so to speak, is first... These registration rules, and even the forthcoming regulations, will not regulate what you can say on a podcast, nor do they establish a government podcast registry. But, second, the registration rules, and certainly the forthcoming regs, will have an impact on podcasts. In some instances, it will be direct, and in others, indirect. Regardless, I think those that suggest that podcasts will be left untouched are wrong. So, how did we get here, what did the CRTC say, and how could this affect podcasts, including this one? Let's start with how we got here. And to understand what is at play, I think some context is needed. The Online Streaming Act, or Bill C-11, and even Bill C-10 before that, included registration requirements really from the moment it was introduced, perhaps as a response to a showdown that took place at the CRTC many years earlier, in which Netflix refused to disclose confidential information to the regulator on the grounds that it argued the CRTC didn't have jurisdiction over streamers and concerns it had about whether sensitive commercial information would remain confidential. Now, given the government's insistence that Bill C-11 was about the so-called web giants, one could be forgiven for assuming that registration would be limited to those larger players. Yet internally, Canadian heritage officials knew that the bill applied to far more than just large internet streamers. As far back as May 2021, I wrote about the government's approach being to apply Canadian broadcast law to everyone, any audio or video service anywhere in the world, including news sites, podcasts, audiobooks, and adult sites. The only real question was what limits the CRTC might establish through new rules on exemptions. In other words, who might be excluded from the law by the CRTC itself, even though the plain language of the law would incorporate all of these various sites and services. The answer from the CRTC, which is found in this recent decision, is that there's really just one exemption standard that matters. Only those services with $10 million or more in Canadian revenues 
are subject to the registration requirement. That obviously excludes many smaller or foreign services that only have a limited Canadian user base, and I don't think it can be reasonably described as a podcast registry. When combined with the fairly limited information required, the registration form covers name, address, URL, launch date, type of service, and language of the service, some will argue that there's little reason to object. However, let's drill down a little further. First, those that dismiss registration as inconsequential omit the reality that it's just the start. A further hearing on actual regulations is planned for next month. And that's where issues like discoverability that could lead to new algorithmic changes or regulation or mandated contributions in support of Canadian content could arise. Since the CRTC has proposed the same threshold for both registration and regulation, the truth is that it doesn't just stop with registration. If you're caught by this, it's likely that further regulations are coming. Second, there are two ways that podcasts could be caught by these rules. Either by virtue of an individual podcast meeting the threshold, or because the platform used by the podcast for hosting and distribution meets the threshold and therefore faces regulation. In other words, there's potentially direct regulation of the podcast itself if it meets the threshold, or indirect regulation if it is hosted by a service that itself is subject to these rules. It's clear that many who participated in the CRTC process recognize the very real possibility of both registration and down-the-road regulation. The CRTC decision recounts the submissions and identifies some of the differing views. For example, Apple argued that regulating podcast services like Apple Podcasts would not contribute in a material manner to the implementation of the broadcasting policy of the Broadcasting Act. In other words, it said podcasts should be out. Spotify agreed with Apple's submissions, arguing that podcasts lie outside of the scope of the Broadcasting Act. Its position was that regulating podcast services would effectively regulate podcast creators by proxy and certainly improperly capture user-generated content, which the government and the CRTC has said should not be regulated by the Broadcasting Act. That said, there were other interveners who were opposed to an exemption of podcasts and wanted to see a requirement to register with the Commission. The Canadian Association of Broadcasters believed that exempting podcast services would have the effect of opening the door too wide for other undertakings or other services to be exempt. It noted that, in its view, podcasts compete directly with television and radio services for content, audiences, and advertising, and in its view, there was no reason to expand the class of exemption to include podcasts. The broadcaster Chorus was of a similar view, stating that it was premature to exempt all podcast services from requirements to register. It argued that podcasting clearly falls within the definition of programs and broadcasting and that platforms that distribute podcasts are, in its view, presumptively online undertakings caught by the act. Now, it acknowledged that many of the podcasts are uploaded by users, but it said that, listen, the market also includes 
podcasting programs that are directly produced or exclusively licensed by those platforms for release on those platforms. It thought there's a difference between what it thinks of as user-generated podcasts and professional enterprises that can be seen to be competing directly with licensed radio stations for audiences and revenues. It cited, for example, the Joe Rogan experience that's available exclusively on a single platform and has been valued in the hundreds of millions of dollars. There were others, Rogers and Adisk, a Quebec-based music group, also considered that podcast services shouldn't be exempt from a requirement to register. So the commission was faced with a pretty broad range of views. The large podcast platform said they thought an exemption was appropriate. Some of the competing broadcasters, in effect, said otherwise. Well, what did the commission say? First, it confirmed that podcasts are programs like any other, and are covered under a basic read of the definitions in the law. I'll quote specifically from its decision, where it says, the Broadcasting Act defines program as sounds or visual images or a combination of sounds and visual images that are intended to inform, enlighten, or entertain, but does not include visual images, whether or not combined with sounds, that consist predominantly of alphanumeric text. In other words, a program doesn't include just text, but once you move into the world of audiovisual, that's a program. And so, based on that definition, the CRTC says that it finds that podcasts constitute programs under the Broadcasting Act. They're sounds that are intended to inform, enlighten, or entertain, in the words of the CRTC. So, if a podcast is a program, the next question is who is covered? Is it the podcasters? Is it the podcast hosts? Those platforms? And if so, what kind of platforms? The Commission finds that where an undertaking is hosting or distributing a podcast, it's engaged in the, to use the language in the Act, in the transmission or retransmission of programs, the programs in this case being podcasts, and that's taking place over the internet for reception by the public by means of what's called a broadcasting receiving apparatus, which could include a computer, a tablet, or a wireless phone. And so it therefore concludes that online undertakings that host or distribute podcasts that are then transmitted or retransmitted over the internet to be received by the public on their phones or on their computers or their tablets or other kinds of devices are in fact online undertakings as defined by the Broadcasting Act. In other words, if you're a podcast host and you're distributing those podcasts, you are covered as an online undertaking in the same way that a video streaming service like a Netflix would be. Now, the commission did identify one exception to that, and it said that where the undertaking is only providing a directory of the podcasts, so it's identifying where you might find the podcast, but doesn't host or distribute them, it's actually not engaged in the transmission or retransmission of the program over the internet. Rather, its function is more akin to a programming guide. And so it said, accordingly, those undertakings, those that are just providing a directory, notably what they're providing are links, with a pretty clear acknowledgement here by the commission that linking is in fact not transmitting or retransmitting the content. But it says that for those kinds of online directories of podcasts, the registration regulations wouldn't apply. So in other words, if you're just a directory, you're out. But if you also host podcasts and distribute those podcasts, you're in. So we know that podcast hosting platforms are definitely included 
and are required both to register and could face regulatory rulings on things that could include mandatory contributions to Canadian content or those discoverability rules that could involve tweaking algorithms to support policies that are found in the Broadcasting Act. That effectively sweeps in some of the very large podcast hosts, thinking of, say, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But what about individual podcasters? The CRTC starts by saying that the registration regulations don't apply to individuals, but it then includes a pretty big but, noting that individuals that host podcasts on their own website aren't explicitly excluded from the Broadcasting Act under subsection 2 sub 2.1. Nevertheless, the Commission says it's true that they are potentially included. These individuals, if they're hosting their own podcasts, could be captured by the Act, but they say they think it's pretty unlikely. And the reason for that is the revenue threshold requirement, arguing that there are very few, if any, individual podcasts that meet that $10 million threshold. So the CRTC effectively says that technically they are included in the act, but they think they have established a threshold that would exclude most podcasts. And I must sadly admit that is certainly true in this podcast's case. Okay, that's who's in and who's out. Basically, podcast platforms for the purposes of registration and future regulation, individual podcasters potentially in, but in practice, most are likely to be excluded unless they happen to be very large, generating a lot of revenue, in in which case they actually are required both for registration purposes and are likely to be captured by the regulation as well. Now, to wrap this up, I think there's one further thing that needs to be considered. And that's, I think, just the fundamental question of whether or not the CRTC should be including podcasts at all. Is this really something that should require registration, even if we're just talking about some of the large platforms or the biggest of the individual podcasts? Now, according to the Commission, the answer is yes. For this, let me quote specifically what the Commission has to say. It argues that, and I'll quote, There are a variety of podcasts that can provide a wide range of content relating to information, opinion, and entertainment. Without information about online undertakings that transmit or retransmit podcasts, it would be more difficult for the Commission to ensure the objectives of the Broadcasting Act, which relate to, among other things, providing a reasonable opportunity for the public to be exposed to the expression of differing views on matters of public concern, as well as pursuant to programming provided by the Canadian broadcasting system, should be varied and comprehensive, providing a balance of information, enlightenment, and entertainment for people of all ages, interests, and tastes. Now, I've omitted some of the specific sections that are referenced in that quote, but effectively the Commission is saying it's got to meet the Broadcasting Act objectives, which includes the need to ensure a wide range of differing views being made available, and they need more information, they say, to be able to ensure that podcasts are achieving some of those objectives. In fact, it continues to say, and again, I'll quote, given that podcasts constitute a quickly evolving type of content that is consumed by Canadians, the registration of online undertakings that transmit or retransmit podcasts over the internet and that are subject to the Broadcasting Act would assist the Commission in improving its understanding of the type of content in order to ensure that the broadcasting system is working to achieve the identified objectives of the Broadcasting Act. 
So in light of that, the Commission finds that it would not be appropriate in its view to exempt the requirement to register for all online undertakings that transmit or retransmit podcasts. But I think we, we can't lose sight of what the Commission is saying here. Because for those that say content doesn't matter and the Commission isn't concerned with content, it actually says the precise opposite as it seeks to justify registration of podcasting platforms. It explicitly says that the, its goal is to better understand the type of content that is available on, on podcasts and potentially get involved in a regulatory process that seeks perhaps to promote certain kinds of views on those podcasts or better ensure that differing views are more widely available. Now, to me, this is very important. First, it tells us that the inclusion of podcasts isn't some unintentional mistake. It's actually the design of the law, and the Commission is totally on side with it. Second, I think it also tells us that the Commission's concern, as it looks at the Broadcasting Act and the objectives on the Broadcasting Act, and now the inclusion of those podcasts, is content-focused. Commission said so itself. So if you're a podcaster, this does matter, not just because of the registration requirements, but even more so because of the regulations that are yet to come. So that's the application of Bill C-11 or the Online Streaming Act to podcasts. But bear in mind, as I alluded to earlier in this episode, the application of this law is far broader, both than the large online streaming services that the government wants people thinking about, and now broader than just podcasts as well. Because some of the same kind of analysis when it comes to the commission is going to focus on a range of other kinds of content as well whether we're talking about news sites or talking about adult content sites, whole range of different services that Canadians use, some of which may meet this $10 million threshold, others which will not. But those that do will be subject to registration. And as we head into November and December, when the CRTC has weeks of hearings planned on the regulation side of the ledger, the prospect of a far more regulated environment that includes both registration and regulation for an incredibly broad array of content that's available online isn't just a possibility. It seems like a likelihood based on the way the law was crafted and the way in which the CRTC has begun to interpret that legislation. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to LawBytes at PO Follow the podcast on Twitter at LawBytesPod or Michael Geist at MGeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at MichaelGeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The LawBytes podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy Brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.